Hi, and welcome to the Brilliant Perspectives podcast with Graham Cook. I'm your host, Michael Becchio. Today we continue our theme of empowering grace. As Graham's personal anecdote in this following clip implies, God wants us to hear about and receive grace excessively until we truly, truly get it. He wants this for us, beloved, in order for us to be able to give grace as he would. This message is from the same series as last week on Brilliant TV called The Impact of Grace. Graham shares more on the empowering force that grace is meant to be in our lives. Thinking of grace as our territory with God, and it is our carrier in getting us from the old life we lived in the flesh into everything new that we have in Jesus. Beloved, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will never grow tired of lavishing you with grace upon grace until your heart is so inundated and saturated with it that you understand it in a deep, effectual, and ineradicable way. It's meant to stay with you, to hook down in deep, and to become a part of you a place that's immovable and you never leave, secure, confident, settled in the grace of God. It needs to become your encounter and experience with him that stays with you forever. All right, on to Graham. Be blessed, much-loved child of God, and enjoy. So I'm going to talk to you in uh, this session about the fullness of grace. And in it, I have four keys. One of them is I want to describe who Jesus is in grace and talk about grace as the narrative of our testimony, define God's extravagance in grace, and then detail grace's territory and our place of safety. So uh, let me read you from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Grace is not undeserved favor. That has to be the poorest description of grace I have ever heard. And it's not accurate in any sense because If grace is only undeserved favor, then Jesus never had any. And yet the Bible says that he grew in grace. So therefore, grace has to be something more than undeserved favor. 
right? Otherwise, that's another double-minded thing going on there, yeah? Jesus never did anything wrong. Therefore, there was never anything in his life where he was undeserving. So I think grace is this. Grace is the empowering presence of God that enables you to become the man or the woman that God sees when he looks at you. Right? So God has a particular vision of you. He know because he's looking at you from a place of completion. Not from your starting place. He looks at you from your finishing place because that's who he is. He sees you in the present, he sees you in the future. And so he when he looks at you, he doesn't see anything wrong with you. So when he looks at you, Grace is the empowering presence of God that enables you to become the person that he sees when he looks at you. So Jesus is the champion of grace. So we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. It mentions that phrase again, full of grace and truth. And here's the thing about the Father. Grace will always come before truth. Grace comes as a springboard for truth to arrive. So it's like the father takes a run at you, jumps on the springboard of grace and dives on you and smothers you in the truth because he loves who you are now and he loves who you are becoming. And there isn't any part of you that he doesn't love Because he is love. And so he's full of grace. He's full of empowering presence. Yeah, he understands our frame. He knows our struggle. He knows what we're going through. He knows the learning process that we're taking. He knows everything about us. And he is totally committed to empowering us in that process. It's a little like, you know, those of us who are parents, you know, when you were teaching your children how to let go and walk. What did you do? They were standing there holding on to the armchair on their fat little legs, right? And you got down on their level and you put out the best smile ever. And they look at you and their eyes get really big and they smile right back at you. The Bible says we looked at him and our our faces were radiant. Why? What did they see in terms of how he was looking at them? You try it with your grandchildren, whatever you, get down, look at them. Come on then, come on then. And they look at you and they want to be where you are. They're so excited, they're almost giddy. And so they come and they start walking and then suddenly like they forget where they are, they drop to their knees and they crawl towards you as fast as they can. Do you berate them or scold them, get angry with them? No, you pick them up, you find their tummy button, you blow the biggest raspberry, you twirl them around, you kiss them lots of times, and you put them straight back in their place, and you assume the position. Come on, then. Here's the thing about God. Where did you get that from? What if it's in your DNA from him? So here's the thing about the Lord. He doesn't mind how many times you stumble 
as long as you're stumbling towards him. Right? He knows you've had loads of years as an earthbound entity and now you're a kingdom person and you've got to live by a whole different set of precepts. He knows that this dimension of life is radically different from this. And so grace is the one thing guaranteed to get us from here to there. Yeah? Grace gives us a start. Grace says, I am your empowering presence. What the Lord saying is, I want to be in that walk with you. So I am in that walk as grace. So I will be your grace. I will be your empowering presence because I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I want to go on this journey with you. I want to learn what you, I want to be part of all of your learning. I want to be in your story. I want to be part of your journey. And grace is the expression. I'm going to give you so much confidence in who I am for you that you'll run and not walk, that you won't be weary, but that you'll be new and you'll be full and you'll always be working from a place of fellowship with me, not to try and earn one. So there is this ever-expanding experience of grace. And it doesn't matter where you are on your journey or your story, what levels you go up to, whether you're starting out moving in the prophetic gift and there's a grace on you for that, or whether you are moving in the office of a prophet and there's a ton of grace on you for that, you're always going to be needing grace. Always, always. And the Lord has planned it this way, is that grace is going to be with you all the days of your life. And grace is, I love you. I'm pleased with you. I'm with you. I'm for you. We will do this together. I remember the first times when I was starting to learn that grace was different than what I'd been told. And I began to learn about the nature of God and the goodness of God and the kindness of God. <clears throat> and the Lord said to me one day, Graham, I love who you are. I love who you're becoming. And I want to walk with you in all the spaces in between. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And at the time, I was struggling with some things, and I hadn't really understood a lot of things about the new man. And so I cut him short. I said, you can't say that to me, because I'm not this, this, and this. And I'm looking over here at my old man. He said, Graham, you are my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. You can't say that to me. It's not true. He said, it's true for me, because I only see you in a particular way. And I said, well, don't say that to me because I'm struggling with this. He said, not from where I'm standing. You're not struggling with that. Your struggling is because you don't believe this. But I believe this about you. And that's the first time I heard, do you believe what I believe about you? Wow. And I'm thinking, but that's, that's too, he said, big. Uh-huh, yeah, big. That's a good word, big. It's too big. And he said, well, are you saying that I'm too big for you? Well, 
No, technically. So what are you saying? Well, if you're backing me into a corner, <laughs> I'm saying that this concept of grace that you have is too big. He went, did you ever think why it might be too big? Well, no. What if I want to make you wealthy in grace? What if I want to make you rich in grace? At what point is rich too rich? I think, I am never going to win an argument with you. It's like you can never win an argument with the extravagant love. And I said, well, okay, but don't say that to me because I'm, you know, you're like, you're messing me up. He just laughed. And then <clears throat> over the next two years, over, I think it was 264 times in the next two years, people would come up to me. Little kids would come up to me with a folded piece of paper and go, huh? Grannies would come up to me. Guys in business suits would come up to me and said, I don't know why I'm giving this to you, but the Lord said, give it to you. And 264 times, every time I opened that piece of paper, it said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, after 50, I got it. I said, okay, I get it. I get it. And, and, he, and he said, uh-huh, which means you're going to get it. So I got another 50 times. Okay, I get it. I get it. Thank you. I appreciate it. I get it. Then we went from 100 to 150. Lord, seriously, I get the message. Then we went from 150 to 200. I flipping well get it. I get it. Honestly, I get it. I totally get it. Then we went from 200 to 250. And then I'm just, now I'm crying. Seriously, I'm crying. Because he's looking at me and saying, Son, I need you to get this. I need you to get it. Why? Because I need you to give it. I need people to see it. I need you to get the world needs you to get grace to understand it, to know how to receive it, how to live in it, how to be washed in it, how to be full of it, that Jesus was full of grace. And I realize what he's doing is he's filling me up 264 pores of grace. He's filling me up. And there is this everlasting supply of grace even now, I mean, years later, I still get people coming up to me and, and saying, God told me to give you this. And I'm like smiling and, yeah, there it is. All righty. It's just another kiss from the Father. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he doesn't make any kind of qualifications on that. He just says, no, you're in Christ. That's dead. This is who you are. And I'm well pleased with where you are right now. <clears throat> and I'm well pleased with who you're becoming and where you're going. There is this radical freedom for all of my circumstances is that I'm standing and living in the grace of God. 
And with God, it's always going to be grace before truth. So, but the truth is what sets me free. So grace is not something you apply to somebody so you can tell them what's wrong with them. Grace is is a space you give people so you can tell them who they are. So you extend grace to people. You give them grace. That's why for me, um, although I've had many opportunities to take a whole bunch of enemies, I've never taken one. I'm not fighting flesh and blood. I only have one enemy and I hate him with a passion I can't even articulate. I have no human enemies. What I have is lots of opportunities to grow up in grace for myself using situations, relationships, people, whatever. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9. Paul says this, I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But this is the beauty of grace. Grace always has a but. When you're actually down on yourself, God is going to say, ah, but grace. But by grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. The grace of God, the empowering presence of God, enables you to work with God on all the things that he set for you. He enables you to work in your circumstances. He enables you to work in every situation. You've got to look at it this way. If you are in Christ, so are all your circumstances. If you can't be separated from the love of God, then your circumstances cannot be separated from the power of God. Right? So if you're in Christ, so are all your circumstances. So what are we doing? We're bringing our circumstances onto the ground of grace that exists between me and the Lord. And that grace is, I am so going to be empowered to deal with you. Come onto my territory. Grace means I drag this thing onto onto the ground of my relationship with Jesus because I am totally empowered on that ground. Paul says, this is the narrative of his testimony. I am the least and not fit because of what I did. But grace empowers us because of what Jesus did. Grace says, but Jesus has done all of this and you get to be included in all of this. Grace gives you a place to stand before God. And by grace, I am what I am. And therefore, I will become what I will become. Because the grace that makes me what I am right now will also empower me to become the person that God sees when he looks at me. Because everything around me is surrounded by grace. It's the ground that you walk on. It's your territory. It's who God is for you. (coughs) And it's who you are in him. 
The grace of God works on me constantly and intentionally. Now, God is the, most, he's the kindest person I've ever met. He's the most consistent, the most intentional person I've ever known in all of my life. And grace gives us a language like the language we read in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5. He, <coughs> he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. which he lavished on us. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you a picture of that. What does it look like to have grace lavished on you? The language here is so rich. Why? Because God wants you to understand that the fullness of grace he gives you is a part of your wealth in the kingdom. To lavish means to be extravagant. It means to be unrestrained to the point, to the point of being considered wasteful. It means that God is pouring grace Upon grace, 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 upon grace. And he can't help himself. He's going to have to give you more grace and then more grace because grace is empowering presence. Grace is, I want to be with you in what you're in. I want to be for you. I want you to know me. I want you to laugh in your circumstances. I want you to have a huge peace. I want you to have anointing. I want you to have power. I want to give you wisdom. So all of that I'm going to give you because of my empowering presence. I give you grace. I lavish grace upon you. I'm going to give grace to you to the point of insanity. I want to give grace to you to the point where it seriously looks wasteful. But it's not. I am going to pour grace out in your life until you are awash with confidence, with certainty, with assurance, with power, with anointing, that you know, 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 I am with you and for you. And who's going to talk against you when I'm with you like that? Who's going to come against you when I stand next to you like that? That's who I want to be. I'm going to lavish grace upon you. I'm going to make you rich. This grace is exuberant. It's excessive. It's opulent. It's sumptuous. It's, it's luxuriant. It's wild grace. 
Welcome to my grace. Welcome to my presence. Empowering presence. Where you understand that I am with you to do you good in an awesome way.